love that song, the, the power, um, the simplicity, the power of that. Here's my heart. Speak what is true. Let me hear what is true. Not what I want to hear or what I think I need to hear, but speak what is true. What a, what a great song guiding into our series that we begin here today. Uh, as Wendy mentioned, titled Elephants. And, uh, and today we jump into this and I want to invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's where we're going to start our time here. And this passage will, will guide us today. It says this. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths but you keep your head in all situations endure hardship do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the morning that we've already had, this time of surrender of our heart. Lord, an invitation to speak what is true. Father, we surrender this time to you. And Lord, we recognize that we come into this time maybe with heavy hearts, concerns, worries of friends and family, Lord, in various situations, health situations, life situations, and we pray for them this morning. Lord, we also think of those that we know and we do not know in Florida and South Carolina and, and the various areas impacted by this hurricane. And Jesus, I pray your peace and your provision over them. Lord, may we be a people who pray for them and I pray that you would surround them with people in their time of need, whatever that may be. And Lord, for those family members, of friends, uh, acquaintances that we know, God, I pray that you'd, uh, we'd just be peace to them in whatever way we can. God, we thank you for your care today. We thank you for your word. And uh, God, may you just guide us and direct us in this time that we're together. In Jesus' strong, powerful, wonderful name we pray. Amen. So here we are. This is a series we've talked about for a number of months, uh, coming from a cultural phrase that simply means that there's something that we need to talk about that no one wants to talk about, so we decided we're going to talk about it. We're going to spend time to do this, and we're inviting you into the conversation. You're going to see here in just a few moments, I'm going to make a comment that this is not the last word. This is not the final word. In this time that we're here, we are encouraging you to carry conversation forward. We want you to ask good questions. We want you to be good listeners. We want you to be good communicators. We want to give tools and opportunities for uh, the time that we have here together and the time beyond this. Is, this is just the beginning. 
or a continuation of the conversation. So we asked a question in our weekly that sends out every week of what is the elephant in the room? What is it that is on your mind? What is the thought that you have? What is the question that you have? And there were many, many questions, lots of them. And we filtered through them, and Nick and I sorted through them and talked about a lot of them. And there is no way that we're going to cover everything. It's impossible. And there is no way that we can take a single topic and commit 30 minutes to it and be like, oh, that's resolved. Not going to happen. So what we want to do is be a part of the conversation. We want to address it, and we want to engage Scripture the best we possibly can. Now, the heart behind this is really with a lot of the series that we've been doing this year, is that we want to have the mind of Christ. We want to have this mindset of Christ. We want to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, as Paul said. And so during these seven weeks, a couple things are going to happen. I am going to do my best to present Scripture. My best. Now, I'm going to fail, um, and, and it's not going to be perfect. I'm going to throw that right out there. There's nothing that I, I'm going to stand up here and pridefully stand here and be like, this is going to be the best thing ever. We're going to be part of the conversation. And so I want us all to acknowledge a couple things, that we all have a hermeneutic. Say hermeneutic. Some of you are like, what in the world did I just say? Hermeneutic is simply the way that we view Scripture. It's a lens, like you think of glasses, that we look through when we look at Scripture. We all have a hermeneutic. And we want to do our best to have a biblical hermeneutic. So our hermeneutic is based upon our life experiences, our upbringing, um, where you went to school, experiences you've had, uh, your, your denominational background, whatever it may be. You have something you're approaching Scriptures with that you read Scripture through this lens. Every person has one. It's different for every person. We also all have certain biases. We all have opinions. And we all have um, thoughts that we bring to Scripture, these feelings that we have when we come to Scripture. And so I'm going to do my best to be aware of that when I stand up here. And I'm going to ask you to be aware of that as you're hearing and as you're having conversations, the hermeneutic you have, and also your feelings, opinions, and thoughts that you bring into this, your biases that you bring into this. And we're here at FBC with the word Bible in our name. Um, it has been a high value to look to Scripture throughout the entire history of this church. And one of the things in our statement of faith talks about Scripture. And I want to read what our statement of faith says about Scripture here. Uh, that will come up here on the screen. And it's very intentional. I really appreciate the words that were used uh, when this was first written. So it says this. It says, we believe the Old and New Testaments are inerrant as originally, originally given, were inspired by God and are the complete revelation of his will for the salvation of men and women, they constitute the divine and only rule of Christian faith and practice. So here we go, a couple things going on. Both Old and New Testaments are inerrant, um, without error, as originally given. So not your favorite theologian's interpretation, not your favorite translation of scripture, as originally given, it's inerrant there. And we're inspired of God. As we read earlier, they're God-breathed. And they're the complete revelation of his will for the salvation of men and women. So it's the complete revelation. This is the end goal of Scripture, that we would know God through Jesus crucified and risen again. And they constitute the divine and only rule of Christian faith and practice, meaning it's how we guide, it's how we do life, it's how we walk with Jesus. Ultimately, the word of God 
points to the true authority being God. God is the authority. And the word of God is how we know God and how we live this out. I love how N.T. Wright spoke about this, and I'm going to walk through this here because there's a lot here. It says, when we read scripture in the Christian way, focused on Jesus and his kingdom bringing work, death, and resurrection, we discover that the purpose of God is not simply to convey true ideas to people's minds so that they, by believing them, may qualify for an otherworldly salvation. So what he's saying here is it's not just about getting all these beliefs in here so I think well. It's not just about thinking knowledge. There's something more. Rather, God's purposes are advanced through human beings who seek to do his will and so contribute to his ongoing work. But those human beings are themselves informed and energized by Scripture. So again, it's going back to what Paul said to Timothy, is that it's not just about knowing these things, but it's about applying these things. So it's this transfer, God, through Scripture to us. And we look back to Scripture to honor God and to walk out in life. And so we look at this as an authority in our life that ultimately God's authority is the ultimate authority. So something that you all need to wrestle with right now and in the coming weeks is what is your view of Scripture? How do you view Scripture? And be honest that it's just a book, every single word, 100% true, something I struggle with. Like, what is your view of Scripture? Because as we get into these topics, we're going to recognize that Paul is teaching Timothy, a pastor of a church in Ephesus, to instruct his people in the church, people who look to the Word as the Word of God, God being the authority. You can go to your neighbor and be like, the Bible says such and such and such, and your neighbor may be like, great. The Odyssey says this, this, and this. So what we're looking at foundationally here today and as we get going in this is what is your view of Scripture? We want to look within ourselves and wrestle with these things here and now before we just start thinking of our neighbor, our family member, our friend, that you're just so excited to take notes and tell them something. It's about your heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. This is the heartbeat of the series. So the first thing is I'm going to do my best to share Scripture. And I want you to wrestle with Scripture too throughout the weeks. Second thing is you will be offended. And my goal is to equally offend everyone. All right? Not really. Here's the deal. With the comments that are being made, what is set up here, you will not agree with everything. I promise you that. I promise you that. So when you have a complaint, when you have a struggle with something, uh, I've set up a special email address where you can email me. That email address is dennischraft <laughs> at familybible.church. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for serving in this way. So, Not really. If you send it there, it's just going to bounce back. That's not a real email address. I'll give you his real email address later. So, <laughs> now, In all seriousness, is that I'm inviting you into conversation. Yes, with me, but with each other, but more so the word of God. And you will find things that you're going to trip over, you're not going to like, you're going to go like, oh, this just doesn't sit right. And we need to understand that the word of God is convicting if we're allowing it 
into our heart and our mind. Paul has talked a lot about this, about it's foolishness. The word is foolishness to those who are perishing. That uh, Jesus talked a lot about shining light into darkness. When light hits darkness, darkness doesn't want to be revealed. When sin is, is, is talked about or something that we are just resting in that doesn't align, there's going to be this like kind of wrestling that's going on. And it's really easy to displace anger and feeling into me or to someone else instead of just wrestling with it personally. And again, I'm welcoming you into conversation. But I want you to ask this question of why did this comment, why did this verse, why does it bother me so much? What I'm walking in, what I believe to be true, where did that come from? Why do I believe that? And to ask these questions. Because again, we all have tradition, we all have history, we all have things that we've grown up with. And if scripture never convicts you or never offends you, it's a dangerous spot to be where you can just read scripture and be like, oh, that was good. Nothing I need to grow in. If that's you all the time, really one of two things have probably happened. One, your heart has hardened and you're no longer listening to God's spirit, which is a really dangerous spot to be in. Or equally as troubling is that you may have made God in your image instead of you being made in God's image. What I mean by this is that if your God speaks just like you, thinks just like you, votes just like you, has the same view on sexuality, race, money, health, politics, ethics, and you look at other people and you just say, why aren't they like me? You may have created God in your own image instead of being formed to the image of God. So it's not like if you're going to be offended or convicted, rather it's when, what do you do with this? And I encourage you just to hit pause and ask why. Write that down and think about that. Someone taught me that when you're listening to a message or someone presenting, is that if you take notes on one side of the paper, write down what's being said, and then in the column to the right, write down what you're feeling or thinking, what you're really feeling or thinking. So maybe you're a note taker and you're jotting notes down, and then off to the side you need to say, okay, that did not sit well, I need to come back to this. Or whatever that may be. So process that. So going to do the best to present the word. You will be offended slash convicted. Um, I'm going to be the same way. Uh, and the third thing is that you're invited into conversation. I've already mentioned this. And many of the questions that were posed by you uh, ask the question, where does the church stand on this? Or Chris, where do you stand on this? Well, our goal, my goal, goal is always to stand with Jesus. And so I want to look and see what Jesus had to say, how Jesus interacted, what, what happened with Jesus in this, in that same way for you. What is Jesus' heart? What words did Jesus use? What action did he take? And something I noticed about Jesus is that he loved dialogue. He loved talking to people. He hung out with anyone and everyone. Yeah, trouble with the Pharisees who thought they were always right, but especially those who thought differently than Jesus did or believed differently, he engaged them so well that they listened and they were changed. And so my heart, my desire is that we come with a Jesus posture to topics, issues, thoughts that have divided our country, our homes, our churches, that we come with this posture 
Like what Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians, he said this. He said, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. So we're representing Jesus. We're not representing my opinion. We're not representing your opinion. We're Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So if God's making his appeal through us, we need to be rooted in who God is. We implore on you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So again, it's starting with us. We need to be reconciled to God. We need to do the heart work, the head work. We need to be reconciled for God before running out elsewhere. So we represent God to each other and to the world. So how are we going to do this? Well, three things that I heard someone say that mark, should mark our conversations with this. First thing, to be like Jesus is we lead with compassion. I love how when Jesus ministered or looked at groups of people or saw people, he looked with compassion and moved with compassion. This has to be the forefront reality. Jesus, the embodiment of truth, knowing all things, could have just engaged and just said, yep, this is the end. He led with compassion. In 1 Peter, it says this. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. You give the reason for your hope that you have. So always be prepared to give an answer. You all have answers or are forming answers to the hope that you have. Some of those are formed by compassion. Others are not. But look at this. But do this with what? What's that word right there? Gentleness and Say it again. With what? Jesus led with compassion. First Peter, we are called to give an answer for the hope that we have, the reason that we lean on God, that we lean into his word with gentleness and respect. Not as a linebacker running through a line or a bulldozer just pushing through. So I pray that in this time we get around tables with each other, we have conversations, we respect differences with gentleness, we love and bless those that disagree with us, and we always point to the way of Jesus. So how do we follow Jesus in this? Some of you are already going like, ah, he's soft. That compassion thing. Well, here you go. Here's the balance. We always move with compassion. It's a motivation. But we're rooted in conviction. We always move with compassion, but we're rooted in conviction. We can't be guided by our feelings. Feelings are important, but feelings have become truth in our world. Because it always, I mean, something that feels bad, like that can't be true. But if it feels good, yeah, it's definitely true. Feelings can't be the leading reality in this. It can't be the determinant of what is true or what is right. We have to move with conviction, and conviction is based in something deeper than our feelings. Our feelings help us understand conviction, but it's not the guiding light. Scripture calls us, in 1 John chapter 5, it says this, and this is love for God. This is how we love God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. And it's one of the great lies that we walk in when we struggle with different things, different topics, different issues, is that it seems burdensome. God's like, no, 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 no. These commands are life-giving. That's the beauty of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. We look at the Torah, these 613 laws, and we're like, what? That's burdensome. 
But they were life. Torah meant life. And it was a gift from God to help guide the people along. To help them in every possible way, spiritually, physically, emotionally, relationally. It was a gift to them. Not burdensome. And so in the likewise, what God teaches us, this is love for God that we keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. They're life-giving when we walk in them. So this question of truth is one that comes up so often. And it's a question that Adam and Eve had when they were in the garden. It's a question that Pilate asked when Jesus stood before him. You remember what Pilate said? He said, what is truth? I don't think Pilate was necessarily looking to find truth. It was almost this like sarcastic sly comment of like, is truth even possible? Like, can it be known? He was at the forefront of, of modern thought here of like, you have your truth and you have your truth and you have your truth and you have your truth versus the truth who stood before him in the embodiment of Jesus. Now truth can and will be uncomfortable. And feelings make us more comfortable. But scripture places this high premium on truth because it's an essential attribute of God and his word. So compassion, conviction, and continuation. That's the final thing. This isn't the final word. We need to continue on in these conversations. And we're going to encourage you and give you opportunities in groups. We're going to supply discussion questions and, and uh, possibly some other environments that we're talking about to carry on this conversation but our conversations have to be marked with compassion, conviction, and continuation. So let's look back at 2 Timothy chapter 3, the passage that was read and referenced a few times here. The letters we have to Timothy are written to the church that he's pastoring. He's a young pastor. Paul has left to go to Macedonia, and so Timothy is in charge of the, the church there. Paul says you need to organize the church. You need to instruct in sound teaching. And you need to oppose false teachers and doctrine. And what was happening in the church there, Paul knew about, was that Timothy had some people in the church who were bringing in some really like warm, popular cultural ideology. It just felt good. And the church was embracing it and bringing it in. These teachings that sound good and feel good and culture affirms and um, it, just, it just seems right. But it wasn't doctrinally sound. And so Paul is telling Timothy and the church there at Ephesus to be wise and vigilant. I encourage you to look through First and Second Timothy. He's saying to contend for the faith, to avoid false teaching, and to live lives shaped by the gospel. That's why he wrote these words starting in uh, verse 16 of chapter 3 of Second Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed, meaning that it's inspired from God, that it's breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching, so this instruction, rebuking, this exposing of guilt, correcting, this restoring of what is right, this training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to note something here. Who is this written to? The church or people outside the church? The church. Absolutely. It's so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. So, Scripture, again, as I was saying earlier, it needs to instruct us. It needs to expose guilt within us. It needs to restore what was right. And it needs to create discipline within us. It allows us to grow up. Verse 1 of chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. 
So this, again, the authority rooted in God through Jesus Christ. He says, preach the word in verse two. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with what? Great patience and careful instruction. So again, this is not a time for us to get all huffy and ah, with each other. It's great patience and careful instruction. Conversation, love and compassion. Paul said, great patience, careful instruction. And verse three says this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, then it says in verse four that they're gonna turn away from truth and aside to myths. We sometimes look at scripture and say, it's just not relevant for today. It is absolutely relevant for today. And you think of this like itching ear that he gives us. What do we want to do with an itch? If you poison ivy or whatever you have, it's just like this, like you want to scratch it, right? This is what Paul is getting at, saying like there's things we want to hear. We have a natural inclination to want to hear things that affirm our own views because it makes us feel like our view is correct. So he's saying they're going to get people around. We're going to get people around us that say the things that we want them to say. That is why you watch Fox News or CNN. That is why you read certain authors or listen to certain podcasts about human sexuality. It's why you do or you don't do certain things with your money or have people around you that do certain things with money. It's why you see people who are different than you in a certain way that you do. See, if you just live in an echo chamber with all these teachers and people saying the exact same thing that you already believe, that's easy, and I want to say lazy, to exist in that. So when we step out, not just having our little ears itched, we say, what is truth? What does Scripture really say about this? We start to lean into what Paul is teaching here. In Romans chapter 16, Paul spoke to the church in Rome who uh, very much like the society we live in here today. In so many ways, it's similar. Paul said this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions, who put obstacles in your ways that are contrary to the teaching that you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So Paul is saying, hey, I want you to think on the things that are good, things that are scripturally sound, that are true. That's why Paul told Timothy in verse five, but you keep your head in all situations. Keep your head in all situations. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul was saying, Timothy, just keep your head. Think well. Think well. Be rooted in what is true. So as we journey these coming weeks together, my goal is to come each Sunday in a very humble manner. 
I have zero desire to come with some sort of self-righteous, know-it-all type of attitude. I'm humbly coming before this, before you. Not here to condemn, not here to call out. Reason is, is that I'm a sinner saved by grace, dependent upon the mercy of God. And that it's not my job to bring about any sort of conviction. My job, like Timothy, is to instruct, to point to scripture. And that's what I'm gonna try to do the best of. Ultimately, it's the Spirit's job to convict and to change and to move. But as we walk, that we would be a people who walk with compassion and conviction and continuation. So I wanna invite you to open yourself to be stretched, to grow, to pray, to read, to listen to other people, to ask really good questions, to examine your heart, to examine your beliefs, ultimately to move with compassion and conviction and continuation. It's a passage in Ephesians where Paul says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is about us, church. It's about us having the mind of Christ. It's about us moving, being led by the Spirit. Yes, ultimately my prayer is that we would not be like the people that we read about in Isaiah. These words are recorded in Isaiah. It says, for these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way, get off the path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. It's easy to stay in the path that we're in or in the echo chamber that we're in. It's hard to step out and say, here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have invited us God, to follow after you. Lord, that you sent your son Jesus had to show us the way. Lord, thank you for the example of Jesus, how he led with compassion and conviction and he continued to carry forth conversation, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we would be a people continuing to grow and change as we walk after you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead in these next number of weeks, God, through um, both comfortable and uncomfortable times. God, that we would be moved by your spirit and truth Lord, we would better understand your word and your heart. God, that you would do a work in us and through us. 
God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to walk with you. God, may we be more and more like you. Not only in what we think, but how we live. We pray this in Jesus' strong, powerful, and wonderful name. Amen. Well, we want to invite you along uh, in these coming weeks. Uh, I've chosen not to let you know what's coming next intentionally. Um, so we'll be back next week. Uh, this has just served as an intro, uh, obviously. Uh, we'll jump into a topic next week. Uh, every week there's going to be discussion questions, and uh, you can find them at this QR code. They'll also be in the weekly and on social media, a number of different places uh, to help you if you uh, want to carry on the conversation here. Uh, so we are excited about that and uh, thankful that you're here. Uh, give it to Nick, and uh, um, thanks for being here.